Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions. This is episode 10. We're excited to get to that little milestone. We're, we're, and, and thank you so much for finding our little corner of the internet. It's been growing every uh, every month. It's been, we, we've gotten more and more downloads, and it's exciting. And to be quite honest, it's just flat out fun for me. So this is something I'm looking forward to continuing. And uh, today we have a great guest, and, and I always have to kind of do research on who I'm going to talk to. And, and I'm rarely surprised when I kind of kind of figure out where they came from. But that's not the case with today's guest, Jed Carlson. Jed's the CEO of AdWorks. Um, and Jed entered the real estate space after co-founding a very successful site, Reverb Nation, which is an online platform for musicians around the world. So how does real estate show up on the radar of a guy who's kind of, you know, founded a, a, a site that helps musicians, you know, get their, their presence found? I mean, it's an amazing story. So let's find out. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, Jed. Oh, thanks, Bill. It's great to be here with you. So looking at your history, I see that uh, you graduated from college with an economics degree. By the way, you're, we're talking to you in Durham, right? You're in Durham, North Carolina? Yep, absolutely. Durham, North Carolina. As a, a huge basketball fan, i got to ask the question, is it Blue Devils or Tar Heels? It's, it's Blue Devils all the way for me. Um, so <laughs> what, is it for, what is it for you, Bill? Uh, it's actually Blue Devils. It's weird. I'm, I grew up in San Diego, but I was a big Mike Jaminski fan. I don't even know if you were okay. a <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good. This is good. We can continue the conversation. Exactly. There's no, it, it's all royal blue here. There's none of that other. So it's all good. Uh, awesome. So, so you graduate from college with an economics degree. And so, you know, economics can take you in a million different places. My son actually has a business degree from, from ASU. And so we'll see where he ends up. But you, you became involved in and actually acquired a commercial printing company of all things. So let's start there. How does a, a, an yeah. economics degree graduate end up buying a printing company? That's a good question. I, th this one is uh, it's it's a little less intriguing than it probably sounds. Um, I, my family was in the printing business back in Minneapolis, where I'm originally from, and um, they, my my father and my uncle uh, were in different segments of the printing industry. And um, my par I, I partnered up with my cousin uh, Jason Carlson, and um, we uh, we first tried to convince our fathers to lend us some money to start a brewery. Uh, we were right out of college, so um, they, they figured we would probably just drink the profits, and that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Um, so we, we revised that and said, you know, maybe we want to follow in the family footsteps and get into the printing industry. Um, so so we, we, we did that. We convinced them and, and borrowed a bunch of money and and, uh, and bought and basically did a turnaround on a company that wasn't performing all that well. Um, and that's what got me into that, that business. We were in that industry for four years before we sold. Uh, the company in 2000, and um, uh, honestly, I learned so much from being in that industry. And it, it, when I, after we sold it, I came down here to go to Duke to get my MBA, and it was that experience in the printing industry that was the sort of cornerstone of all the learnings I had going through business school. Um, it was like I already had a business case in my back pocket in my experience to to, to draw on. So, um, really, really uh, formative years for me uh, in the printing industry. I'd say that that had to be a huge advantage. I mean, actually going out and being a business owner prior to going to business school, I can't, you know, before you get your MBA, that, that had to be, uh, I can't imagine, because you probably had a lot of students in that school who were coming right out of their undergrad and heading right in to get their, their, their MBA. 
had to be a different experience. It was. It was. I definitely. I I still to this day believe that I got more out of business school than almost anyone else that was in my class, and it was for that reason, um, simply because I had the experiences to draw. And I, I really, I really went to business school, and it wasn't until having that experience that I really understood for the first time exactly what happened to us in the printing industry, understanding the frameworks for it, right. um, and, and the language that we didn't have. So business school sort of wrapped up that first uh, business experience with a nice bow for me and helped me understand and set me on a journey um, to, to starting other businesses. And I, I think, you know, with a higher chance of success, having had the experience and, and having the education to go with it. So you, you move on from there, uh, you kind of you form a consultancy, you, you do a little work for some people, but one of the companies you did some consulting for was Americ Disc. And, and remember, right, they're a compact disc manufacturing company, is that right? Yeah, yeah, this was back, uh, does everybody remember compact discs? Well, I was going to say, I have a ton of them in the den if anybody wants them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that was, a, that was a great experience too. So this is what happened between selling the printing business and going uh, back to school to get my, my business, my MBA. Um, AmeriDisc uh, was one of the major producers of compact discs for the recorded music industry. And it was actually there, I helped them um, put install basically a an on-demand manufacturing system so that they could create compact discs in very low quantities and didn't have to store inventory anymore, which was a massive problem in that business because you never knew how many CDs were going to sell. So you'd, you know, you'd, you'd press 10,000 of them or 1,000 of them and you'd get it wrong. And, and ultimately, those, you know, a bunch of those CDs wound up in the, in the trash bin because uh, you just couldn't get it right. So I helped them create an on-demand manufacturing system uh, for doing that. And it was there that I actually met a whole bunch of uh, record label owners, independent record label owners that were AmeriDisc's customers, and I started learning about the music industry. Yeah, so that that obviously is the that's going to be the jumping off point for you. Then getting these connections that leads you to be, I think, with three or four other people, you co-founded Reverb Nation in '06, right? And so that this, this is what drove that, I'm sure. Absolutely. So we saw, you know. Uh, uh, I came out of school, I came out of uh, Duke Business School and began looking for um, a partner or a team really because I, I had never done software before. Um, so I needed to find someone with experience in that area and I, and I met my co-founder Mike Dornberg and the, and, and the other technical co-founders Steve Jernigan and Robert Hubbard and I was pitching to them this concept of how the music industry was changing in such fundamental ways and that um, you know, bands were going to need different tools. They were going to, you know, they weren't the, the old model of get, you know, get signed on a record label, uh, get distributed and get famous and you know have groupies. That model was eroding, just right under everyone's feet. The the, the economics were no longer able to support that. The internet essentially destroyed that sort of monopoly, um, that monopoly business that was going on. And and Reverb Nation was an attempt at creating software to help bands and musicians do the business of the music business, of the new music business. Um, and so we started that in 2006, and uh, Reverb Nation is still uh, uh, on a tear. I've been there and played with the site and found my you know, good buddy I play golf with. His son has a band here in town and found their band there. It's really cool to kind of see how that works. And, and for, for me, what I see it is like everything MySpace tried to be, you, you said, yeah, let's take care of all this stuff, get the bands off of MySpace, let's put them in a place where, where they can really succeed. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, MySpace, it's, it's funny to even, to even talk about MySpace. It feels like so long ago. But yeah, in 2006, when we started, MySpace was the you know 800-pound gorilla, um, sort of the only game in tape. MySpace was how music met the internet, right. you know, or how, how bands met the internet back then. And, and you know, they did an amazing job of, of, of marrying those two things, music and the internet. Um, but yeah, in a lot of ways, Reverb Nation was sort of an evolution um, of that thought. Um, it was sort of MySpace, but with a lot of actual tools that the bands could use to further their careers. So Reverb Nation continues on. It's something that you're still a part of, and and it, over three million users. I mean, it's like you said, it's just it's growing, it's exploding, it's doing great. But I'm just guessing, Jed, from reading about you and even just the conversation we've had the last ten minutes, that you got this entrepreneurial spirit that's never going to go away. And you're looking for the next thing you can do. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, the story of AdWorks being born is really. Uh, this may be the most intriguing. I think it's the most intriguing thing for me when I look back on it. Um, so we we actually created a really cool product for the bands uh, beginning back in 2010 on Reverb, where we we made doing digital advertising really really simple and affordable. Um, for the bands, and we were able to target those ads at just the right people because we knew that fans of this little garage band in Toledo um, are also fans of this little band in Osaka. And so having an understanding of the music graph, as it were, the people's taste and what bands were similar and allowed us to, um, to place advertisements in front of just the right audience for sort of any of these small bands that wanted to grow their fan base. And that product was very, very successful for us and started the conversation around, um, hey, maybe this product could be useful to other small businesses, very small businesses, which is what you know how we looked at bands. And that conversation turned into maybe we should try to reimagine that product outside of the music industry, and we ended up choosing real estate. For a variety of reasons, and um, in 2013, we actually put the AdWorks product into the real estate market, while it was still essentially being incubated inside of Reverb, wow. and that's that's how it all began. So, no one in the group that put AdWorks together had any real estate experience. I mean, how did you? I'm assuming how did you how did you do that research? How did you find out what was going on there? It had to be quite a, a journey. It was. I mean, we no. The answer is no. We really didn't have any real estate experience, and um, I think that in some ways that was created challenges for us. In other ways, I think it was an asset because we didn't come to the table with any baggage about kind of how the industry historically worked or how it should work. We, we kind of were able to take a fresh set of eyes to it. Um, that said, it was you know there were painful moments where we we just didn't understand how the dynamics worked. We didn't understand the sort of agent, broker, brand relationship. And so, yeah, I mean, Bill, I'm sure it, 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 I, I dedicated myself to becoming a student of the industry, as did other people on my team. And we, we, we talked to hundreds of agents locally um, and some not locally. And we had, you know, the typical focus groups where we asked all the wrong questions because we didn't know what we were doing and, and got all the wrong answers and eventually, um, you know, eventually did find out the information we needed to to do a, to to make a, a a great I think first pass at a product that real estate agents find valuable, um, and then since then we've been able to refine it through a lot of feedback from our customers. 
let's go ahead and we, we mentioned AdWorks, but let's, for those that, that aren't aware, let's explain what AdWorks does. So it's, a, I know there are three kind of segments to it, but I'll let you explain it. Yeah. Yeah, AdWorks, you know, our mission is to make doing digital advertising hyper simple, sorry, we call it brilliantly simple, and extremely affordable for any real estate agent that wants to do it. And we have it broken into three products. Um, one of them is sort of a, a beta product, so I'll, t I'll just touch on that very briefly. But um, we have a product that helps them promote their listings. So they've got a property for sale, and they want people in the local area that live near that property that are in the market for real estate to see that that property is for sale. Um, and there are various motivations for that. Uh, that product is, you know, some people are doing it because they want to increase the chances of selling the property faster. Some people use that product because they want to satisfy their seller, um, which is what a lot of the marketing is actually all about, is, is, is making sure your seller knows that you're, you're doing something on their behalf and you've got a plan. So that's the listings product. Um, the, the main product is we call it the branding product or the agent product. And really you can think of it as the digital, you know, creating the digital equivalent of the agent's yard sign or of a billboard um, or a postcard. Um, so in that product, we are putting the agent's name, face, and brand um, out into their local market on a zip code by zip code basis, targeting that ad, that digital ad, to people who are in the market for real estate. And we do that through something called behavioral targeting. And what that means in, in layperson's terms is the ad is trained to find people who have recently been looking at real estate online. They could be browsing a real estate portal. They could be checking out mortgage rates online. They could be researching moving companies. Any one of a dozen or so indicators that suggest that they are currently or soon to be coming into the market for real estate. When, when the ad finds those people, it begins to sort of relentlessly follow them around the web. Um, when they go to check the sports on ESPN, there is the ad for the agent. When they go to Yahoo to look at the stocks, there's the ad. When they go into Facebook, there's the ad. And, and Bill, you and I talked a little bit offline about this, but the reason that this product is important is because advertising, as we're defining it, brand awareness, um, it only works, and there's plenty of data to back this up, it only works when you can do it repetitively. And the only way that you can repeatedly get in front of an audience is to, is to whittle that audience down to a size where you can afford to put an ad in front of them over and over again. So AdWorks takes the 10,000 people in the zip code, whittles it down to the four to 600 who are currently in the market or about to come in the market for real estate, and then takes all of your advertising firepower and focuses it on that smaller audience um, repetitively. And ideally, if, uh, if advertising works, the outcome is that that agent is now in the conversation. Um, when the spouses are sitting down across the kitchen table and it's time to decide which agent is going to sell their house or help them buy one, that agent's name will be in the conversation. That's what branding does. That's what awareness does. So that's the second product. I'm sorry if that was kind of long-winded explanation. Um, no problem. I kind of get fired up about this stuff. Uh, the, the, the third product, and again, this is the beta product, I'll just touch on it briefly, is we, we do have a beta product that is designed to help brokers and brands recruit um, other agents. Um, so 
that product is a set of ads that are trained to find real estate agents and to um, follow them around the internet and put the broker's message or the brand's message in front of them. Um, and that is that that is not a, a product that is uh, we've cast a wide net with yet. We're, we're being very limited in how we uh, deploy it. Okay. So many, many people are aware of ads following them around the internet. It's become fairly commonplace. And yep. the, the, it's, retargeting is the was the name that was used before. I like your behavioral targeting description. And yep. I'll be honest, I mean, a lot of people think retargeting is creepy. It's also cool. But can, can you talk about, are there, there, have, there, there have to be, you know, we, we talk about numbers and, and making sure that things are valuable. Are there, are there studies and numbers out there that show that this sort of marketing, you know, is effective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, build en endless studies. Um, th this retargeting is... Uh, I think in the words of Comscore, so Comscore is, the, is a company that sort of looks across the digital landscape and with media companies and advertising trends and things. In 20, uh, I think, was it 2013? It might have even been earlier than that, but retargeting as a method of advertising blew away every other type of targeting that could be done. So I'll give you, I'll give you a couple stats on it. So what, what we observe with behavioral targeting is um, click-through rates that are between three and five times higher than other forms of, of, of internet targeting and advertising. What Comscore said um, was that retargeting increased the probability that someone would search for that brand or product that they were seeing in those ads by a thousand percent, so 10x in the four weeks following exposure. So um, this is why today it's considered a best practice. I mean, if you go to Amazon and look at a product I guarantee you're going to see an ad for that product start following you around. Um, and I think that from a, from a reaction standpoint, that sort of creepy factor, like you said, it happens so frequently now that I, I, I think that humans are now um, sort of desensitized to the creepy factor and are starting to realize the value and the utility in it. You know, when I'm on Amazon and I look for a pair of shoes or something, or Zappos, and I start to see that pair of shoes falling around, I, I, my, my emotional reaction is actually one of a favor towards that firm. I'm like, thank you for reminding me about those shoes. I do have to go buy them before um, I go to that wedding. Right. Um, so, so I think that's, you know, that's where the world is changing. And certainly um, the attitudes that you see from millennials and younger folks are much more open um, to, to sort of the different means of being targeted in advertising. They, they, they've grown up with it. Right, and it's, it's not necessarily that they're going to click on that, but it's just that, that impression and the multiple impressions and the continual impressions that are what matter. A absolutely. Um, and again, I, there's tons of research. I, I, I don't want to you know, drag your readers and, and listeners into too much of that, but um, there's just mountains of research that say that this is a best practice. I mean, after all, somebody has shown some sort of an intent um, somebody is in the market for whatever it is that you're selling or they wouldn't have been looking at it or they wouldn't have been looking at similar sites, they're really the right audience. And uh, I, I think that's the key. Let's, I want to talk for a minute about the difference between what your company does, which is advertising and branding versus lead generation. Because you know, lead generation, uh, since day one on the Internet, you know, um, <laughs> We'll talk late 90s. I started with in this industry in 2000, but in the late 90s, you know, the first websites were popping up and, and agents were trying to figure out a way to generate leads online. Well, we know now there are 
literally hundreds of companies that are out there that will help an agent find a lead. And they all kind of boil back to the same thing. It's all about getting somebody to go to a website and leave their name and email address and hopefully phone number. That's lead gen in real estate, whether it's through pay-per-click or, or, or ads or some other way. But I wonder, do you ever have customers who come to you and, and see the product and like it and then say, oh, I'm not getting any leads or it's not, a, you know, and how do you, how do you answer that question? Because we're so tuned into lead generation and you're looking at something different. Yeah, it's a great, it's, it's a great question. And we do get that. I mean, let, let's admit it. Advertising works, right? I wouldn't be wearing the brand of jeans I wear or driving the car I drive or the shoes I do. Everybody knows this. Mm -hmm. um, the, the challenge with advertising is measuring it. But to, to back up, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but we believe that a good marketing strategy um, for a lot of agents, not every agent, there's no one size fits all, but a good marketing strategy should include elements of branding and awareness, which are sort of at the top of your marketing funnel, as well as elements of lead gen. And the thing about agents that's so interesting is they do a lot of branding, typically on offline channels. So I get lots of postcards. Um, some of which are lead gen, some of which are just, you know, market updates, you know, uh, uh, just sold campaign, right? It's just there to say, hey, I'm your, I'm the agent in your area. I sold a house down the block from you. And, and they do billboards and they do bus benches and they do shopping carts and they sponsor the Little League team. And uh, I've got refrigerator magnets with baseball schedules on them with the, the realtor's face on them. You know, they do a lot of this offline, but everybody's been trained, hey, if it's online, it's got to be lead gen. It's got to be directly measurable back to clicks and conversions on your website. And, and we just don't come from that school of thought. We believe there is a place on the web for branding and awareness. And certainly uh, the Coca-Colas and the Geicos and the you know, Nordstroms of the world uh, have plenty of data to back that up because they're prolific branders on the web. Uh, but it's got to be part of a larger, of a larger strategy. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that I don't know if that gets at sort of the root of your of your of your question, Bill. But but we are generally consultative with real estate agents and say, listen, you know, lead gen could be very very important to your marketing strategy. Tell me more about your business. Are you are you a new agent trying to get a foothold? Are you an experienced agent with a big sphere of influence? What sort of what's the referral rate that you're getting? You know, so the prescription is never a one size fits all. And I would never say that AdWorks is for everyone. The answer is it depends. But for those agents out there or small businesses of any kind that say, I'm lead gen 100%, that's all I do, I don't see any value in branding, um, I would encourage them to take a look at the data and the science and to experiment with branding and to realize that, that branding is a, is a slightly longer term game. Um, it's, not, it's not like lead gen where you, you turn a spigot on and you spend $100 and you get a, a person's phone number to call. Um, so anyway, th those are generally my thoughts uh, on branding. We can talk about measurement too, if you like, um, because that's often the, the, the stickiest part of, of brand advertising. Well, go ahead. Get, you know, let's do it if you can do it on a quick side. Just let's, you know, if I'm an agent and I'm having that conversation with you and, and I'm just kind of on the fence and I don't really understand, I, you know, look, we all know, watch Mad Men. It's, it's been around for a long time, <laughs> advertising work. And it's, it's how many impressions you get. And it's not one or two. It's a whole lot more than that. So how, how does that get measured? So the answer is it's very difficult. The, the, the problem is generically called attribution in the industry. That's the industry parlance. And for really big brands um, that have 
you know, physical products and distribution, like let's take Coca-Cola as an example. They can run an ad in a market and call their distributor and say, hey, um, you know, was there lift at the vending machine? Did we see more Coke being sold? And it's because they've got massive scale, right? They can, they can run an ad in the market and see a 2% lift and, and it pays for the ad that they ran. You know, it's, it's great. For real estate agents, it's very difficult. Um, if you sold, you know, 10 homes in 2014 and you sold uh, 14 homes in 2015, that was a 40% lift. But it's very difficult to say, is that because of my marketing or is that because the market dynamics change or interest rates were lower? Very, very difficult. So what we tell agents to do um, with our product is we say, listen, the only real way to understand attribution is we, we send them screenshots of where their ad was on the web the day before. So we'll send them a screenshot saying, here's what your ad looked like on the NewYorkTimes.com yesterday, um, showing to, to local home buyers. You know, print this out. And when you're sitting down with your clients, pass this printout across the table and ask, did you happen to see any of my internet ads? And if the answer is yes, it doesn't mean that this advertising or branding is what made it, it made that client come to you. But you can start to have the conversation about how it may have played a role, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what advertising is really there to do. It's a supporting cast member. It's it's out there working while you're sleeping, but it's in support of the other marketing that you're doing. It's not the main stage. Um. I love the explanation. This will really be helpful personally. I've got a lot of people to send this to myself, this <laughs> this podcast, to make sure they see the difference. Because I think um, a lot of real estate agents struggle with the, with the the the, uh, the online space and what is what. So that's great. I appreciate that. Um, I want to I want to touch on you know looking at what your company is doing. You've already for a young company. You are you're a couple years old, maybe less than that. You've got some great relationships going already with some large national brokerages. So I'm sure that was part of the original business plan. But how, how talk about that a little bit because I think that's very impressive. Yeah, I, we, we've been really, really fortunate. We've got a great business development guy here named Brian Alvo um, and a team behind him. And our, the, the thing is, I think what is fascinating to these brands that we work with, and, and, and we work with, you know, everyone from, from the larger national brands like Remax and Century 21, Keller Williams, to the regional brands, you know, um, the Sipsy Kleins and Shore Wests um, of the world, uh, to name just a few, Long and Foster, um, to name a few. And I think what they really are intrigued about with our product is that they don't see branding and awareness as digital companies coming along. We're one of the only companies sort of in that space They've got they've got lead gen partnerships kind of you know from every corner of the world coming after them, but we make a product that agents can use simply by typing in their name, clicking four times, and swiping their credit card, and it costs as little as forty dollars a month, and then they're in they're in the game. So our product is hyper simple, and a lot of these brands and brokerages and and great great firms have tried so many times to bring technology, great technology, to their agents. And the challenge is getting the agents to adopt it. Our product is so simple, agents actually use it. It's so affordable that agents can actually deploy it in two minutes and with, with very little cost. That, I think, is what intrigues everyone is um, about AdWorks, is 
it, it, for all of those reasons. Now you were recognized, uh, you were a, a, a finalist for the Inman Innovator Award. That had to be exciting, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Inman is a fantastic company. Uh, um, I got to sit down with um, uh, with Brad. Just they're they're really fantastic people, and they 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 have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. We we were very honored to be selected as a finalist. We didn't we didn't win, and there were a lot of worthy you know companies in there. So we just we just felt great to be you know. The, I'll give you the, the cliche. We felt great to be chosen. We really did. We haven't been around that long. Like you said, we came to the real estate industry with sort of no real estate experience. So I'm really proud of our team and how far we've come um, as quickly as we have. Uh, and I think the Inman Innovator Award was, was sort of validation. Everybody here is so proud of, uh, of that. Yeah, Brad loves people with new ideas. And when, you're the, when you bring something different to the real estate space, he wants to talk to you. And I've been an Inman ambassador with four or five different events. And He's an interesting guy, and uh, you're right, kind of always trying to really push what's happening in the business, and he's, he's just a great connection to have. So is there something new or something on the horizon with that work, something you can share, or maybe you can't share it on a podcast? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you um, I'll give you a little preview of a, of a product that we're working towards that we've uh, done some alpha testing with um, uh, at, at the risk of potentially creeping you out even more, uh, but it is innovative technology. So um, we recognize that real estate agents in particular, but small businesses in general, often rely heavily on referrals from their network. Um, and that's their friends and family, past clients, neighbors, etc. In fact, uh, you know, there are lots of studies, depending on which one you read, that say anywhere from 40 to 60% of the average uh, real estate agent's business is coming from referral. So we are building out um, an ad product now that will um, allow you to target ads specifically at the people who are in your sphere um, by, by connecting us um, either to your CRM system or simply importing um, a list of, of email addresses or phone numbers for those folks. Uh, we can we can go on the web and we can actually target ads specifically at just those people. So that's that I think is really exciting. A, a product that can drive more referrals without without the uh, you know, more referrals, less nagging. I guess would be the idea. Less less having to ask because a lot of agents we talk to are like, oh, I know I should be sending an email out to to all the people in my network once a week, but I always feel like I'm bothering them, um, so I don't hit the send button. So we want to create a product that puts the agent top of mind um, as an ad in front of uh, their sphere on a fairly regular regimented basis. And we think that that will be a great way to drive refer more referrals out of your network. Yeah, I like that. I, it's uh, that, you know, mind is easy to forget about and to be able to do that in a way. And look, if I'm part of a referral network of a realtor, I'm not going to be upset that I see their stuff. I'm going to be more like, wow, that's great. Look, they're really working hard. That's great. I love that. So looking forward to seeing that. I always finish each podcast, and I thank you for your time. I know you're very busy. Um, I, I, I always ask this question, and this is going to be interesting for you because a lot of the people in the previous podcasts are in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years longer, some not so long, but you're, we're talking a couple years. So if you had one tip to give to agents that would help them with their business, based on what you, all the research you've done to start up AdWorks, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good. That's a that's a really good question. I would say, 
that I would I would say that they should be thinking about their business from a relationship standpoint instead of a transactional standpoint. And specifically that that translates into understanding the lifetime value of your client, not the transactional value. Um, and when you understand the lifetime value of a client, we actually have a calculator. Um, Molly, what's the URL on that? I can I can Molly's gonna figure out we, we have a calculator agents can go to. Uh, Bill, the, the thing is this. If you think about your your client as a three thousand dollar commission check, you're going to behave a certain way. You're going to spend a certain amount of money uh, on them, uh, on acquiring them, on taking care of them and nurturing them. But if you look at them through a lifetime lens, you'll find out that each client might be worth as much as twenty thousand dollars to you. You're going to behave differently if you look at it that way. That's that would be my tip: is think long term. Take a lifetime value look at your clientele and then adjust your behavior accordingly. And I think you'll be much, much more successful. Okay, so the um, link to the calculator, the LTV calculator is www.adworks.com slash LTV underscore calculator. So again, www.adworks.com slash LTV as in lifetime value underscore calculator. So I, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us talking about a part of the internet that's definitely not talked about very much in the circles, at least that I run in. And I'm pretty sure nationally uh, this is kind of a, a new place, a new space to be. I really can't thank you enough for being a part of it. Hopefully we'll get you back on here next year with the next stuff you're doing. Does that sound good? That sounds great, Bill. It's been, a, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So thanks, everybody, for checking out uh, the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thanks again to Jed Carlson from AdWorks for sharing his information. And remember, we publish this podcast every Tuesday, so watch Tuesdays. Uh, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or therealestatesessions.com to get this. Please tell your friends about it, and we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.